What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Eagle Nation. Appreciate your doing the early stream thing on a football Friday with Mac and Mac. John McMullen and Jody McDonald will hang with you for the next two hours. Got a couple of good guests coming your way. One Eagle guy, one national guy. Mark Farzetta should jump aboard after he has his fifth cup of coffee after doing the Farzy show uh, and talk some birds with us. And then uh, Eric at home from NFL.com <laughs> is going to come on a little bit later. Johnny Mac, here's where I want to start today. And you were part of the uh, media availability of the veteran guys uh, this past week. And we parsed out why those guys and uh, they just want to get it out of the way. They got to do one time during the preseason. Are uh, those the Eagles first choices? Do a bunch of guys turn them down? You don't really know. But you know who you get after the fact. 
One thing that they were all asked about, and it was a good job by you and your fellow uh, Eagle beat mates, um, was about, quote unquote, the Super Bowl hangover. Is it a real thing? We can certainly look at the trend of how many teams that have gone to the Super Bowl and lost had the chance to come back. But the term is Super Bowl hangover. I would think it would be more so for the winning team than the losing team, wouldn't you? Um, I, I think it's both, but I think there are different reasons for both. I, I think most of it is, you know, you're playing longer, right? You don't have as much time. Everybody else has a head start. Um, there's always significant attrition in the NFL for every team. There's so much turnover in the free agency era, but generally even more for Super Bowl teams because – People want their players, want their coaches, and we've seen that with the Eagles, uh, um, you know, twice now in in, in six years. Um, that's what happens. Um, so I think some of it's common sense. It's just really hard to do, to climb the mountain, and then you're behind the eight ball. You're sort of giving everybody else a 10-yard a head start if it's a, you know, race um and you know that doesn't matter with the bad teams but with the good teams it matters a little bit um um so i think part of it is just that um and then the human nature aspect is you're 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 like you know i saw i've been talking about this for a while that sort of Linval Joseph and Dominic and Sue, I coined it the mercenary market. I think the Eagles may have tapped into something. And then I saw yesterday, Chris Harris says, you know what? I don't want to go to training camp. Uh, I want to sit back, the cornerback, the, the old Broncos quarterback, and see who's going to be a contender and maybe pick a spot. And I'm not surprised that's happening for guys, again, who've made a lot of money. They don't need the money. Um they don't need the grind, but, you know, they keep themselves in shape and, and they can do it and, and people still find them valuable. Um, I think it makes sense for those particular very small window of players, but right. those That's players. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you, your point is dead on. It's right and it's accurate and maybe something that we see more often going forward that doesn't have anything to do with the question I asked about Super Bowl hangover. No, I'm saying, but all these, all these factors in the human nature aspect of it, the the fact that um, teams, good teams don't, didn't go through what you went through the Super Bowl aspect of it. The fact that um, players for whatever reason, and I remember the Cowboys back, you know, the, the, the great Cowboys teams of, of Jimmy Johnson and, you know, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Urban, all the great players they had, uh, the offensive linemen, Eric Williams, Larry Allen, Nate Newton, and guys are signing Alvin Harper to these massive deals for the time. Dixon Edwards for these massive. Those are just, those are good players. But because they were around superstar players, they get this elevation. I think the Eagles kind of went through that with the, the Javon Hargraves of the world and, and the C.J. Gardner-Johnsons of the world and the Marcus Epses of the world. People are good, good, good players. Not great players, good players. But people pick you apart 
So I think all these things factor into it. And then I was getting to the human nature aspect of it. Um, you know, it's tough to say, man, we made it to the pinnacle. We're about to grab the flag and we get pushed off and you got to start again. And you just kind of sigh and say, oh, let's let's do it again. And some, you know, some guys take that as a challenge and a chip on their shoulder. And some guys say, woe is me. And everybody's different. Um, and, and for the champions, it's like, oh, we did that. All right, we got the money in the bank. We don't have to worry about it. You know, certain guys are driven and they want to win again and again and again. And other guys are like, what I just said and said, well, I got my ring, not that big of a deal anymore. Um, so I think it's, it's all of that. The big giant cocktail. I, I understand it much more from uh, the winning team's point of view, resting on their laurels. You did what 31 other teams tried and they didn't get it done and you got it done and you're puffing your chest out a little bit and maybe you're enjoying your off season a little bit more. I used to talk about it all the time in baseball with the, the teams winning the world series. They go on the quote unquote rubbing rubber chicken circuit banquets, dinners, everybody wants to have you to celebrate um, that. I can understand that's a, a, a part of human nature that I think I may fall prey to if it were me. Yeah, I'd see myself going, oh, shoot, you know, I'm five pounders heavier than I was that I ended last season on and didn't even notice it until I got on this scale, which, oh, by the way, I haven't stepped on it for two months because I've been enjoying myself after a championship lap. That I get. The whole woe is us almost got there so close, and yet, no, I would think the guys would be more driven. If you get you, you, you're almost tasting it. If you suck, if you're four and 13, I don't know that I'm as driven as if I am if I'm 14 and three and I was eight seconds away from winning a Super Bowl. That would seem to me the perfect opportunity to be hungrier than you were in the season where you just missed by this much. I get it more from the winning side. Then I do yeah, the but losing you're, side. You're, you're, it's not a monolith. It's 90 different guys. And many of those guys are, well, they're not at 90 yet, 86. Um, a lot of them weren't even involved, number one. You have such turnover, as I said. You have all this attrition. Um, and then you have different personalities. Like we start with number one, right? Not everybody's like Jalen Hurts. I'm pretty confident he's going to be driven. I'm pretty confident of that. I'm pretty confident a lot of guys are going to be driven. I'm not as confident in other guys. And 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 and, and there are, you know, maturity. I said, we're on Friday, so I'm going to get my last shot in at the Sixers. I said I was going to give them a, 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 at least one shot per day. I'm watching the game last night. After the game, the Nuggets come back. They didn't play well, but they win the game. They have a closer who had a crappy game, but he plays well in the fourth quarter. And then Michael Malone, who's the coach out there, is talking about uh, Jokic after the game. And I, I want to pull up the quote. He said, he said, he's, he's like secretariat, man. That guy can run for days. Never stops. Never stops the conditioning. If he's got to go 48 minutes, he can go play another game for 48 minutes. That's how Moses Malone was. That's how Will Chamberlain was. 
unbelievable conditioning. Wilt played more minutes than there was in an NBA season once because he never left the floor. And there were a couple overtime games. Never left the floor. Now, I know that that'll blow people's minds today. The conditioning aspect of, of, of and, and people are saying Nick Nurse is getting an a, a interview. You know, who, who should be the coach? Can anybody get Joel Embiid to buy into that? Then you might have something. Can you do the monolith aspect of it, Jody? The assumption that that might be the way you feel, but it ain't the way everybody feels. And, right, and, then and let, there then are let me, all then let me pose, personalities. Let me pose you this question. It's not my job. I'm just giving you my the, how I think I would react. It is someone's job. It's Nick Sirianni's job. He's got to deal with all 86 players right now and different personalities and the like. And if they needed to be poked and prodded or yelled at or patted on the back or whatever, he's got to be able to differentiate all of those different guys who may be in a different mind space because they got this close to winning the Super Bowl and didn't. Now, new guys, you're right. There's a turnover. There's some guys who weren't here before. Um, so you deal with them differently as well. Is Nick Sirianni properly suited to be able to motivate this monolith of a team you're describing? Well, that's the problem. It's not a monolith. You they, just told me it's a monolith. Wait, is it a monolith or is it no, a monolith? No, I said it's not a monolith. I said it's a, it's a group of individuals making up a team. That's what I said. You're like, I would feel this way in the assumption 85 other guys are going to feel that way. That's just not true. That's why I brought up Jalen Hurts. Can we get everybody to have the same drive and work ethic and 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 that as as Jalen Hurts? Boy, if you could do that, it's easy. But you can't do that. That's not realistic. That's what I'm trying to say. Everybody's different. Now, from my standpoint, over two years, Nick's as good at it as anybody else. Can he get it done? Can he get everybody going in the right direction? No, of course not. There's always going to be uh, uh, some issues. There's always going to be some guys that you find difficult to to motivate or, or, or get the way you want them or not reaching their particular potential. I don't know of a coach in the history of the world that can do that and get everybody, but he's been as good at it as as – just about anybody else when it comes to manipulating personalities and it's probably the wrong word, but that's kind of what it is and trying to get them on the same page, like CJ Gardner Johnson be the best example of this, you know, that worked out for one season. And then after the season, it didn't work out because other stuff come into play. You're disrespecting me with this contract offer. Um, you don't understand me. He was just on the K Adam show. Um, you know, all this stuff comes into it. We're talking about Jalen Carter, right? We've been talking about maturity issues, 22 year old kid. How do you get him on the, uh, the right path, the right page? Well, that's his job. It's up to him. But the assumption that everybody's going to be Jalen hurts or everybody's going to be Michael Jordan in this extremely driven not bothered by anything that's rare. That's why we, I think yesterday, the rare breed, you know, that's rare. 
That's not common. That's like, not common. Like Nikola Jokic is not exactly common not common. And I think people understand all those people that want to burn down MVP voters who voted for Jokic. If they're watching the playoffs now, they probably understand a little bit better. They 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 probably aren't watching the playoffs because their team is out of it. But if you watch them play, you get why people think the way they think. Um, and and he's deserving of every vote that he got, to be honest. And he's won it twice. And if he won it a third time, I wouldn't have wouldn't have bothered me uh, even a little bit. Um, but those, those personalities, and that's why it's great to have that foundation of not only Jalen Hurts, but the Jason Kelsey's of the world, the Brandon Graham's of the world. It's great to have that foundation, but you still got to build it up around them. And, and the coaching aspect of it too, Jody, we just went through this, man. When, when was the demarcation line? the ascent of Doug Peterson and the decline, right? Everybody points to Frank Reich and John DiFilippo. Fair, fairly or unfairly. The attrition on the coaching staff, you know, people needed scapegoats. Oh, Mike Groh can't do this. Press Taylor can't do this. Press is doing a pretty good job in Jacksonville, by the way. Um, so was Doug. Um, Carson Walls can't do this. Do you, now we're here because everybody's got that glow. Oh, Brian Johnson will be fine. Oh, Sean Desai will be fine. I don't freaking know that. They seem like impressive guys, but I, I don't know that. I know Nick was very, very close with Shane Steichen. Very, very close with Jonathan Gannon. These aren't his guys. You know, they are now. But he didn't have a relationship with Brian Johnson uh, before he came to Philadelphia. He didn't have a long-term relationship with Sean Desai before he picked him, before he came to Philadelphia. He had long-term relationships with Shane Steichen um, and Jonathan Gannon. I'm just saying, the people, people glossing over that after going through what we just went through with Doug Peterson – that to me might be the most underreported story of the offseason. There's going to be hiccups when it comes to that. Uh, that is something we'll certainly be talking about leading up to the season uh, as we get yeah, some nice little calisthenics in. What are they doing this week, John? Actually, uh, tip drills other than shooting <laughs> free throws and competing in little fun games. To, yeah, they they to throw do. the football around, they do some drills, they're on the field doing some mainly conditioning and stuff like that. But you throw the football. They show the videos. Everybody get you. Oh, AJ, Jalen's throwing it to AJ. Exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah it's huge. Huge in uh, May. Uh, so, yeah, we're getting some football action. But uh, the losses and how the Eagles deal with them is going to be just as big a part as any drill that they do in May. That's for damn sure. Uh, so we're here for the next hour and change on Birds 365. I see Mark Farzetta in our green room and ready to rock and roll and hop on with us. So if you enjoyed the Farzy show this morning, we're going to hold them to the Eagles. We're not going to let them drift off into Sixer talk with us. Mark Farzetta up next here on Birds 365. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. John McMullen and Johnny McDonald, and there is another follically challenged individual. He's another yeah. Jacob buddy. We've got our buddy Mark Farzetta from the Farzy Show hopping aboard with us here on Birds 365. He always makes me jealous because he's got better color than either McMullen or I. <laughs> that, that good Italian That's something. Blood. That's that something. Good Italian blood he's got rolling yeah. through him. Yeah. White hair. White. Little bit. Little White bit. hair. It's coming. It's coming, boys. Yeah. Yeah, you got about 20 years to catch up on that one, Farzy. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you the question I just asked Johnny Mac. Get your take on it. All right. Um, Nick Sirianni has a dis- different task coming into this season. His first year taking over the Eagles, he's inheriting a 4-11 and team, 4-11-1. Um, so his job was to just prove that he's an NFL head coach and win over the locker room that he can be the head coach of the team. 
his job going into the second year different. They made the playoffs, good season, and that they're going from 4-11-1 to sneaking in the back door as a wild card team. Now, this is a different task altogether. You've got to get the group together that came up eight seconds short of winning the Super Bowl. As John just pointed out, different guys, different personalities, different mindsets and the like. But you all have to, you got to get them all narrow focused at one task, getting back to the Super Bowl again, getting over whatever effect losing the Super Bowl had on him. How do we know Nick Sirianni is the right guy for that job? Well, I mean, you got to look at the evidence that's in front of you right now. And the evidence is the maturation of Nick Sirianni. And so far he is built on albeit brief every year he has been here. And I think the biggest hurdle to get over is to prove whether or not you belong as an NFL head coach. And I think he did that with flying colors in his first year, including realizing that he might have too much on his own plate and handing over play calling to Shane Steichen, making sure that Jonathan Gannon had pretty much a final say over the defensive matters and the strategy they were going to have there. And he trusted the coaches around him. I think he's going to trust the coaches around him again this year. He knows when he's got too much on his plate. He also knows that he has a developing quarterback and he gives that quarterback enough room to develop enough wiggle room to still play the style of football that he wants to play. And he'll be part of the game planning that allows that quarterback to play that type of style. The challenges and the most convincing part of the evidence here is the challenges that have been in front of Nick Sirianni he's passed and done a phenomenal job of passing with flying colors and one of the things I always go back to is Doug Peterson the instant success he could have in Philadelphia was the fact that he was a player he could get away with identifying with the locker room better than certainly a guy like Chip Kelly could and the players really took to him and respected him for that Nick Sirianni having not been a player in the NFL has gotten a very similar type of respect for the way that the veterans have respected him in the locker room, the way the veterans have listened to him in the locker room. And then right after him, the leadership he gets in this locker room help endorse anything, help sell anything he's trying to sell this team, especially some of the younger guys on this team. So I think when you look at the challenges in front of Nick Sirianni, he just keeps checking boxes. But you're right. Now the expectations change. It's not just, well, can he be an NFL head coach? Oh, he's an NFL head coach. Well, can he win in the playoffs? Well, he made it to a Super Bowl. And now he's got a group <clears> around him that he can continue to build around. And hopefully they check another box going into this season, which is obviously the ultimate prize of winning that Super Bowl. Yeah, not, you know, Mark, I think the biggest box, and I mentioned maybe the most underreported story to me in, in this offseason it's the change on the, on, on the coaching staff. Uh, people are glossing over this like it's nothing. And what's amazing to me about it, Mark, is we just went through this six years ago. It, 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 and you remember the new normal, right? Hey, uh-huh. We're the new, but we're set up for years. This is, this is rock solid. And all of a sudden Frank Reich is gone and John DiPolippo's gone and, at the time, nobody, all right, let's keep it going. Expectations didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Here you have losing both coordinators, and I know most fans don't care about one, which is fine, but as I, I mentioned to Jody, Nick was really close to those guys. Long-term relationships, thick as thieves. Brian Johnson, he had no relationship with before he came to Philadelphia. Sean Desai, no relationship before he hired him. You mentioned he's going to rely on his coaches. How do you develop that 
relationship with guys you just met versus a long-term relationship with guys you trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the exact word I was going to use there. You have to develop that trust with guys like Sean Desai. I think even though he hasn't been around Brian Johnson a long time, and I know you were referencing Jonathan Gannon as a guy that not a lot of fans care that the Eagles have moved on from, and he's got a job in, in uh, Arizona now. But for me, I'm less worried about the Brian Johnson position because I feel like we do have a familiarity there. And more importantly, I think Jalen Hurts has more of a familiarity there. On the defensive side of things, schematically, as we've talked about all season long, and John, when you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Sean Desai being a more direct disciple of Vic Fangio than even Jonathan Gannon was. And I know that's become the, the hot name of everybody that wants to replicate some sort of defensive scheme. It's all about being like Vic Fangio. I think that's the way the Eagles want to play. But what I really took, uh, what I really paid attention to was obviously Sean Desai's press conference when he talked about, and this could be just a line that they pre-wrote before the press conference in terms of, we want to model after our own city of being gritty, of being palpable, right? And I thought, well, that's great for the posters, but I want to see what goes on when the in-game adjustments are needed. Uh, I like what Sean Desai had to say. But more importantly, I like what James Bradbury had to say about Sean Desai, about how he's impressed with how smart the guy seems to be, uh, how the terminology is going to change from Jonathan Gannon. This is to be expected from Gannon to Desai's scheme. And he talked about – and whenever you talk about one thing, it's like the, the other coach never did it. So I don't want to say that in the light of Jonathan Gannon. But I did find it interesting that J- James Bradbury pointed out the freedom you're going to have as a defensive player. You might have a little bit more freedom than what you had in the past to make a call on the field, make a make a judgment call on the field as a player. And I know players love that. They feel like they can flourish in that. But as far as the trust factor goes with Nick Sirianni and his two new coordinators, I think it's going to come down to the players. And I think one thing Nick Sirianni has done a phenomenal job with is listening to his players. And the reason I'm not as concerned about the overall coaching changes when it comes to the assistance on this squad as it would have been in, say, 2018, going into the 2018 season, is I think so much relied on the mentality of Carson Wentz responding to changes on the offensive side of the field that I think you were on thin ice. We didn't know we were on thin ice at the time, but I think we've later found out just how thin that ice was, where John Filippo was the guy that was supposed to really put reins on Carson Wentz and really control Carson Wentz and really be able to be the tough coach in the room. And Sean, uh, or excuse me, uh, Frank Reich was supposed to be the quarterback whisperer in that regard, and he moved on. I don't think, well, forget I don't think. Jalen Hurts is not that same guy. Jalen Hurts, as I joke about all the time, but it's half kidding, He's on mental steroids with the way that he can – just how strong his mentality is. And I don't think he's a guy that a, a coaching change, an offensive coordinator change, a new quarterback coach, I don't think that's anything that's going to rattle him in a in any similar way that Carson Wentz was rattled in a similar situation. Farzee, I like yours and John's use of the word trust. Trust is going to be very important. And we know full well that Jalen Hurts trusts his new offensive coordinator. He bet He's known him since he was, what, five years old? Yeah. His father will give him a tongue lashing if he doesn't do right <laughs> by Coach Johnson. Um, but here's the one thing I'm not sure I trust yet. Can Brian Johnson call plays like Shane Steichen call plays? Because mm-hmm. Shane Steichen was really good. John's thrown in the term a couple times already today, underrated story. That's the most underrated story for me, how good Shane Steichen was and how great a feel he had at calling plays. Why do we think Brian Johnson can be in the same neighborhood 
as Shane Steichen in that aspect. I, I agree with you guys entirely. It's a great story. It's a great question that we haven't kicked around enough. Uh, when I have thought about it, my confidence in the idea that Brian Johnson will be successful as a play caller is that when you move on from a play caller that was as good as Shane Steichen, that just got a head coaching job, and you have a head coach that's from the offensive side of the, the, the field, obviously, he has an opportunity to take back play calling. If yeah. you're going to change, you have an opportunity yeah. to take it back. He chose to not take it back. He chose – he looked at Brian Johnson and fully knowing that he doesn't want to have to call plays. So he wants to be able to put in somebody that he can have confidence in. And I know Nick Sirianni. We all know Nick Sirianni has – you know, he'll be making the game plan. And he said even last year when he made it official going into – I think it was training camp saying that Shane Steichen was going to be the play caller. They'll be sitting down together game planning. But as far as play to play, Shane Steichen had that responsibility. If Nick Sirianni had the opportunity to take it back and felt like Brian Johnson couldn't do it, he had the opportunity right there to take back play, play calling. He decided not to do it because he has that confidence in Brian Johnson. That, for me, being that it was such a good decision by Nick Sirianni last year and even in two years ago towards the end of the season when he handed it over to Shane Steichen, if he has that same type of confidence in this offensive coordinator, that's pretty much all the confidence I need at this point, having not seen it myself that he'll be able to call plays similarly to Shane Steichen and that uh, Nick Sirianni will put him throughout the week in a position to have success come Sunday. You know, that's a good point, Mark, because I, I got to be honest. I was expecting not Nick to say, I'm going to call plays right away, but I was expecting it to go, well, we'll see. You know, go throughout the offseason, go throughout the summer. You know, we're – the bare reason you've heard Nick say in the past, yeah, I want to, I want to breed some uncertainty for opponents. Mm -hmm. I thought for just that reason, he'd keep it under his hat. Like he's going to play call. Well, we don't know, you know, the Eagles CIA level stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, and, and he was like, Nope, Brian's going to call plays. <laughs> I think we were all shocked. It was right away. I agree with you. So that, that is a really positive aspect of that. But then, you know, I start to get my contrarian nature on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I say, oh, he can change that in week one. You have a bad game, you can change that in week two. Um, I still think it comes down to it's really, really difficult in this league. And I go back to my original point. You win a Super Bowl in the case of 52, and you have all this attrition. Not only... It, on the roster, but the staff, we've seen it in the personnel department. You do a Xerox copy, right? It's a little bit worse each time. A little bit worse as you go and you try to copy it. It's a little bit less clear. Am I being too um, 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 wary of, of change? Or is it just part of it? You're, there's going to be change every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, first off, Jody knows the old WIP timesheet. It would get a little bit more crooked every time it was printed over and over again when yeah. you had to fill that out. Uh, but uh, that's what my mind goes to. But, yeah, I, I feel like I, the thing that I go back to is it's not just Nick Sirianni and the fact that he can relate so well to these players and he's such a good leader. It's the fact that you have guys like Jason Kelsey that just keep these guys – in check so that I know it when you try to repeat culture with a different group of players, but you still have that core, the guys that are kind of in orbit around that core, 
they they might tend to stray. But one of the things that I think this team does so well is that the leaders, I mean, it's always great when your leaders are also your best players because they're really doing a great job of keeping everybody within that same stratosphere. And I think what they do is they keep uh, enough players just enough on edge to compete for jobs, compete for success, compete for those bonuses, those incentives and all that, where it's not just about the overall success that every fan is rooting for. It's also about the financial success. And they keep that in mind for everybody in that locker room. So for me, I think what keeps everybody together and keeps everybody in line and keeps that Xerox copy as far, as, as little different as possible, as close to the original as possible, the way to put it, is the fact that you have such great leadership. And it's a really incredible thing that, and I watched some other press conferences from around the league. There is no team that gets the word, the buzzword culture mentioned more than the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think it's because of Nick Sirianni. It's because of the veteran yeah, leadership here, fair. the fact that they've won and they have a young quarterback that is not only an MVP caliber quarterback, but also is just, like I said, mentally ridiculously focused on the task at hand. And if he's at that level and the leaders are at that level, then everybody else in the locker room has no choice well, but to fall in. Real quick, sorry, Jody, just one follow-up. How important then is the start to the season, Mark? Because it, it, if they struggle against teams they're supposed to beat, because that's the soft part of the schedule, right? Uh, offensively, how quick does it, oh, this is Mike grow. This is... Um, um, oh geez, yeah. How how quick is do they need to get off to a a good start, especially <sighs> offensively? Well, first off, thanks NFL for what two games in the first four days. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, don't whine, <laughs> but don't be a whiner. They're a conference champion. That's ridiculous. When I saw that in the schedule, I thought, "What the hell are they doing?" But anyway, are the Vikings playing two games in four days? Too? The, the Vikings. The, the Vikings deserve the same respect the Philadelphia Eagles do, Jody. No, they're going so. on the road. The only, they're not. The they're, only one one last game. Did they play it at Super Bowl? Did they play at a Super Bowl? Anyway, now they uh, get picked off at home in a bad playoff <laughs> loss. But they oh. did win 13 games, and they got to go on the road week, oh, too. The they showed disrespect. That, that's what How you about get. the Vikings 13 wins last year? That's Here's what, what you, you can get. do with your 13 wins, Minnesota. Get your ass on the road first Thursday of the year. They're just going to choke again when it matters most anyway. Who cares? Shot anyway. On, shot on Minnesota. <laughs> shot on Minnesota. <laughs> just pile it on Minnesota. Um, it's important because. Way, true, also. True. <laughs> they are going to. They are going to choke. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, as far as starting out, I mean, <laughs> we all know what city we're in. We we're, yeah. we, we all know our fan base. Uh, I, I I will say this. I think I, it's really difficult to to throw shade at the mental toughness of this team as a whole. And yes, there will be people that are thinking Rome is burning when when they start out. If if they start out slowly, if they start out. Uh, and they're not playing well at all, and they don't look like they're in sync, and your your linebacking core is more exposed than it's ever been, and that's saying something in this city, and your safety positions, you still have big question marks as to who your safeties really are and whether or not they're good enough to play that position, uh, whether or not your cornerbacks are getting older, and I know they're, they just can't, they came off a phenomenal year, this entire secondary phenomenal year. So there are questions that are out there. Um, and I think those questions will only get highlighted. I think most of them are on the defensive side of the ball. But if this team is losing, I think it's going to be because the defense 
and their personnel might not be up to par. And with that, we'll become questioning Sean Desai and whether or not he's yeah. good enough to be a defensive coordinator. So I think a lot of us can be focused in that regard. But yeah, let's not let's not act like in the first couple of weeks of the season, our hands won't be hovering over the panic button if this thing starts off, yeah. you know, one and four, one and five, you know, or God forbid, oh and oh and three even. Uh, where we'll be, but I don't think that's going to be the case. But in this hypothetical, if it does, yeah, we'll be, we'll be, <laughs> the, the city will be ready to burn. All right, then I'm going to flip you on your hypothetical. All right, let's say that is what happens. Yeah, that most of us have the Eagles five and zero, oh, if at that worst four and one to start the season. Let's say they're three and two after opening up against a beatable lot of teams. Okay. We know what Nick Sirianni did in his first year. He said, maybe I need to back off a little bit. Shane, here's the play sheet. We're going to work it up all week. We're going to collaborative effort this thing. But in the actual game, I need to take a step back. I trust you. Here's the play sheet. I'm going to become a CEO coach like John McMullen suggests I should. And that's how I'm going to run my team. And you can attribute however much success to that as you want. But the season did seem to turn right at about that time. So I think there was a pretty good amount charged to it. Let's say get out three and two. What's Sirianni's move? What does he do to change the course of the season? Or does he just go, ah, the hell, we're, we're, we're better than this. I had a couple of bad guys. Hey, I'm not going to sweat this at all. Full uh. steam ahead, no changes. Get out of my office. Don't bother me with those questions. We're the Philadelphia Eagles. We went to the Super Bowl last year. Shut up, we'll be fine. <laughs> Which way does Sirianni go? Uh, first off, I just want to hear him say, shut up, we'll be fine. I just yeah. feel like Nick would deliver that line beautifully. Uh, I, I don't think Nick is in the category of panic anymore and i think it is a comforting thing and a confident i mean what better confidence can you have as a second year head coach as a third year head coach than hey i just played you know i just coached a super bowl so i think that's a big confidence booster and hey my theory works i think the aesthetics will matter greatly the optics will matter greatly if brian jo if this eagles offense comes out stale with the weapons they have with the backfield they have now uh, with the offensive line, and let's say Cam Jurgens is your right guard and everything's going swimmingly there. But if this offense comes out stale, I think you're going to at least be looking at four or five games there. So just out right around that three and two mark. If three the and two. I got you three and two. two. Three and two. Yeah. If you're looking right around that mark and you see the offense is stagnant, I think you might give it a couple more weeks before that kicks into high gear. But again, with this hypothetical, I don't see it happening, but if it does, and you see in case of emergency break glass type of moment, I would not be shocked if you saw Nick Sirianni in the early goings of the season, take back play calling and say, all right, you know what? Because look, you can have as much confidence. You can have much familiarity with Brian Johnson. If you're uh, Jalen Hurts, you can have much of that as you want, but until push comes to shove, until you actually get into the, uh, Get into the moment. You don't know how somebody's going to perform. So this might be a moment yeah. where Brian Johnson isn't a little. I don't think it's going to happen. But this might this might be a moment, having not done it, that this might be a moment for Brian Johnson where he's a little in over his head, and they decide to maybe start sharing that play calling responsibility a little bit more, and Nick starts to become more involved. Um. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, while I brought this up, Mark, I think Brian's going to be fine. I think uh, the Eagles' offense is going to. As you kind of alluded to there, they're going to out-talent people. They're, they're, they're going to be just fine. 
I, I don't think he's going to mess with Brian because I don't think he want to mess with the quarterback and they're very close. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think, and it, by the way, if there is a, a shared sort of uh, environment, as you mentioned, we're not going to hear about it. They're not going to talk about it in public. It might be going on behind the scenes. Um, defensively though, I'm with you, man. I People are... <laughs> This back seven, and really I'm talking about straight up the middle. Mm. Uh, The corners are are still very good, although, you know, is Bradbury going to have the same year? Uh, Abonte, when he was healthy, you hope Abonte can stay healthy for 17. But in the games he did play, the 9-10 games he did play, is he going to play as well? Career years for both of them. Um, But they're good. They're good players. Um, up the middle, Nicobe N- Dean better be a top ten linebacker, like right away, mm-hmm. like right away. And but perhaps that happens, but that is that is some projection, uh, to put it mildly. And I admire everybody's optimism, but. Sidney Brown ain't Brian Dawkins, just like Kayvon Wallace ain't Brian Dawkins. Hmm. And that's nothing against Sidney Brown, but there are very few safeties in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I'm not going to project him at that level just yet. Um, that back seven scares the you-know-what out of me, Mark. I, I, you guys, I like, we've talked about him before, but I really like Reed Blankenship, but I'm not looking at him to be an anchor of this defense. I'm looking at him to be a good football player on this defense, but I, I know I think he's going to be some kind of like, you know, you know, bursting through the doors type of guy. Like, Oh, look who's on the scene. It's Reed Blankenship's moment. I'm the Sidney Brown thing. N'Kobe Dean, uh, Morrow, all these guys, I have huge question marks next to because you look, I, uh, the defensive line has to be stout. There's some question marks there. You're losing Javon Hargrave, who played his role phenomenally well uh, for the Eagles uh, over the last couple of years here. But uh, is that front is going to get enough push to make everybody else look good? Because I don't know if they're going to have that same type of push. And, man, they're going to have a much – they need to have a much better push than what they had last year if you're going to be helping out this secondary. As you mentioned, they're going to be helping out this linebacking core. I mean, even by the Eagles' stand, I mean, let's look at this for a second. T.J. Edwards, undrafted exceeded expectations before him alex singleton undrafted exceeded expectations both those guys cashed in with three-year deals around 18 19 million dollars in this past off season good for them but by this standard this is a low standard even for the eagles when it comes to what they're looking at from a linebacker position and that's one of the things we always scream about we hear from the fan base all the time about oh well the eagles don't believe in linebackers they don't believe it's a valued position even for that, this I is – let's just roll the dice. I, I, yeah. I, N'Kobe Dean, I ain't betting against him. I, I love the guy's attitude. I love his work ethic, uh, his athleticism, and you can make all the comments in the world about the Georgia Bulldogs. One person in my comments calls them the, the Broad Street Bulldogs. And I think that this is something that they're, I hope, not reaching for, that, oh, these guys are all on the same page, them being together again. We'll, we'll see the best version you can of N'Kobe Dean. We'll see the best version of Jordan Davis. Okay, you seem to be banking a lot on that, and I hope you're right because for them, just look at the linebacker spot and be like, "Oh, yeah, this will be fine." Um, no, I, I don't. I don't know about that one. I don't know. I, I'm rooting for a lot of these guys, but a lot of these guys, I'm not betting on. 
I don't know how you can expect Nicobe Dean to be a top 10 linebacker. He's so undersized that he fell to the third round in the NFL draft. So how can you expect such an undersized linebacker to actually become a top 10 linebacker in the league? Better. better. How can you ask that? You, you, you continually tell me that that's why he was a third round pick because he was so undersized. Well, that's why he was. You specifically state that what do they list him in the team guide weight wise? Uh, 220-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, I'll look uh, it up right now, but I'm yeah, guaranteeing Mark, you Mark's more a... than that. And you continue to tell me no friggin' way. No, well, not, no friggin' way. They <laughs> lie no face your face in Eagles media guy as to how what? big he is. Well, how is this little peewee going to become a top 10 linebacker, what? John? What? First of all, I have no idea why you're going down. But again, why do... Do people want me to lie to them? I he's not. He's <laughs> no, I'm not, not asking you to lie. I'm he's asking not, you. He's not and, more and than And I'm being unfair to you because I'm asking you to explain an overall thought process. But you oftentimes buy into it that that's why the league devalues linebackers and he's an undersized linebacker and that's why he should have been a third round pick. I'm just saying he hadn't got any bigger. So how can you now expect him to be a top 10 well, linebacker? The reason, so the reason he is a third round pick, there's three reasons. One, there were some injury concerns. Two, he's undersized. Three, he's not the best athlete from an NFL standard uh, for the position. Guys who are drafted high at linebacker are the Devin Whites of the world, the Devin Bushes of the world. The world-class athletes, the guys who would just do every drill and they're just, you know, all off the charts. But that doesn't mean you can't be a good player. The best linebacker in football is Fred Warner. He was a third-round pick, 70th overall, somewhere in that range. He was a third-round pick. Um, I have tremendous optimism for N'Kobe Dean I like Mark. I mean, really smart kid, really instinctual as a player. Um, my my concern is, and, and you know, Jody, I always bring up startup costs. Startup, I, I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think he had 30 freaking four snaps last year. Right. He's, he's, he's going to have some growing pains. Uh, if he does become Fred Warner right away, great. I'll say, man, that's amazing. But I'll say it's amazing because I expect all young players to have some hiccups. And, you know, Fred Warner wasn't Fred Warner right away. Um, and I think that's where everybody's jumping. Oh, N'Kobe. N'Kobe's like, like he's Hassan Reddick. Or, or he's Darius Slay. Those guys are proven. Demonstrated performance uh, is 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 what um, coaches always say. Those guys are proven. This guy's never played at the NFL. He played right, thirty four so snaps. I'll, I'll try this one more time. Since there are startup costs, and I agree with you, I think that to ask him to just step in after thirty four whole snaps, which oh by the way, thanks to the duo out there in Arizona, Gannon and Rallis, who got him on the field for all of 34 snaps. Thank you very much for that, guys. Um, and undersized. How do how do you set the expectations of him being a top 10 linebacker? 
if he's got to grow into the job and it's going to take X amount of weeks because he only got 34 snaps last year and he was undersized and that's why he felt the third round. How can you realistically expect them to be top 10 linebacker just like that? Well, you can't. That's my <laughs> kind of my You point. just said you need him to be the top, <laughs> top 10 linebacker. You just said that. Yeah, that's what I said. And my question to Mark, which I think he understood is, I think people are going overboard with the assumption that he's going to be a top 10 linebacker. Did you understand that, Mark? I, I, I picked up, I picked up, I, Johnny Matt, I picked up what, what you were putting down. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got you I, there. Same thing with Sidney Brown. Sidney Brown yeah. might turn into a great Pro Bowl safety down the road. Yeah. Um, right away, uh, I think people are skipping steps, is it, my point. I think I think another way to illustrate it is if you just let's just make it a broader statement. Like if you're talking about a bad football team and everyone knows they're a bad football team, all of a sudden you put Patrick Mahomes on that team. Like you need a quarterback or you need a, a mediocre quarterback to play well above his threshold. That's at least the expectation for the year in order for that. In this case, in this argument with the Kobe Dean, you need the Kobe Dean to be a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker to get close to the status you were last year as a defense and i I, i'm saying that's what you might need from him but i'm not saying it's likely that it happens all right well i think that's what let me lock both of you in maybe i either didn't hear or understand your response or maybe i put it wrong so let me try and be more direct first mark barzetta then john mcmullen do you believe nicobe dean will be a top 10 linebacker at the end of his rookie year no no. no, no, you don't think either, either one of you think he's capable of doing that. No, okay. No. I, I, like I said, I'm rooting for the guy, I'm yeah, not betting here. on him when it comes to that regard. But, uh, I, I don't, I think a more th- uh, fair threshold is can he even get to TJ Edwards' level from last year? Like, give me that, oh, level by the way, TJ Ed- Edwards' level was top 10 linebacker, TJ Edwards was a top 10 linebacker, in- yeah. Uh, so if you need to get to that level, that's a pretty – you're setting the bar pretty high for a guy that 30 somewhat snaps under his belt. Uh, John, right? And, and McMullen. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, PFF had him at number six. Six. Um, so yeah, he's a very good Arjun, player. You want him to get to that level? That's top I, ten. I don't. That's top I, six, buddy. I, I, I don't think of TJ Edwards in that regard. If that's where PFF had him, uh, yeah. good for him. And I'm well, not saying he's terrible. Thing. But here's yeah. the thing. I think you know and I can't speak for Mark, but I think people think, um, not everyone, but they like splash plays, right? Sure. Uh, you got to have interceptions. You got to have, uh, you got to have tackles for losses. If you're just doing your job, that's what PFF is about. Like, did you do your job on this particular play? Right. Then you get a plot positive mark and that accumulates over 17 games, but you don't have that splashiness. Um, and everybody wants that splashiness. I think Nicobe has a chance to be a far splashier player. Um, and and again, this is projection down the road. You know, in two three years, I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. Um, but I think it's too much to ask. And by the way, they list him at two thirty one, five eleven to two thirty one. Who'd we have Neil Stratton on? So many fans take these numbers as gospel. And, you know, they were trying to say, oh, Kyler Murray's close to six foot. No, he's not. No, he's not even close. 
Uh, he's close no, to he, five he was eight, talking about uh, Young. Bryce Young as well. Not, yeah, not six foot. Well. They, no. they don't even go there. <laughs> yeah, they fudged those numbers. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. At, at times. Um, he's very instinctual, very good, very high upside. I love his upside. I just think people are skipping steps. I really do. It, it, it's and, and I hope I'm wrong, by the way. I hope he turns into Fred Warner day one. Hey, I, well, let me just say this. I think N'Kobe Dean is going to be a very good linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see exactly that this year. I think there's going to be a little bit of a process going on here. Uh, and I think as far as the splash plays go, you want somebody out there that's going to make a play. And the Eagles, especially in their Super Bowl run, when it came to forcing turnovers, they were talking from six years ago now. Uh, last year throughout the season, they did a great job of forcing those turnovers. You want somebody that's going to be able to force those turnovers and make those big plays that will change the outcome of a game and give more opportunities to your offense and also nullify what might even be a good drive by the opposing offense that gets into the red zone. Next thing you know, you forced a fumble, you picked off a ball, you got a, a big sack, whatever it might be. Those are the splash plays that I want to see. And I think N'Kobe Dean, thanks to his speed and his quickness, talk about the attributes that actually made him a third-round pick and give him this opportunity to be a starting linebacker for the Eagles this, this upcoming season. If he is able to focus on those attributes and, and you see Jordan Davis and you see these guys on the defensive line and Fletcher Cox and whatever, you see them do their job and create opportunities for him, I think that speed and quickness will work wonders for this Eagles defense. That's the thing that I'm going to hang my hat on. If I'm going to have any confidence in the Kobe Dean being a good linebacker, it's going to be because he is able to use his quickness, his speed, and his instincts out there on the football field to be able to make a big play for the Eagles. And while I appreciate uh, PFF's rankings, and John did a good job of explaining it, that it's about doing your job on each individual play. You might not be within 10 feet of the ball. You might not even get close. But if you did what you were supposed to do, then it's credited as a good play. Mm. And a splash play doesn't know. You don't get bonus points for making a splash play. But the acknowledgement of most good to casual football fans, oh, uh, interception, a forced fumble. Oh, uh, that's the, you know, I don't care what he did. The other 87 snaps, right. he got his hands on a football when we needed the interception. There can be a balance there. It doesn't have to all be yeah. about just. Well, the you know who's a good PFF example of, or of just of the splash, splash plays. The the best example of the PFF conundrum is CJ CJ Gardner Johnson. Um, splash plays all over the place. Led the NFL in interceptions. Missed five games. Um, I forty ninth best safety in the NFL. Forty ninth. <laughs> now, here here's the deal though. When it came to contract time, the Eagles were like, well, there's some issues here. I mean, we love the playmaking, but there's some stinking issues. Uh, you know, this is not a, a superstar player. And they tried to get him at $8 million a year, and CJ got upset and because he made splash plays. Players are like, hey, I make splash plays. Well, yeah, you're also effing up here. You're effing up there. And so there is a give and take there. There right. is a give and take there. It's the old Asante Samuel line. Yeah. If they're tired of my big play making ability, they're not going to see me here. Well, Fair point. Fair Asante point. Asante did make some big plays while he was here, but you're right. Took his act yeah. out of town. Where are you taking your act this weekend, Farzad? Oh, performing my. at the Chuckle Hut? Are you going down the shore? <laughs> 
Where are you going to be this weekend? Yeah, I'll be at Heal. No, uh, it's funny you ask that. Well, tonight I'll be back on the Jacob Media YouTube channel for uh, a fine Phillies post game show after Phillies and Cubs tonight. Uh, 7.05 start time. Ranger Suarez will be on the bump for the Phillies there. Uh, and then uh, this weekend, unfortunately, I got to take the rest of the weekend off. I got to go down for a family thing. My wife's family's from Baltimore. I got to make a trip down to Baltimore. And uh, unfortunately, oh, freakness. I can't. I can't go to the Preakness. You're I going can't to go Baltimore, to the... and you're not going to the Preakness. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I've done the Preakness you're three right. different times. You're three different times. times. Any crab cakes this weekend? Oh, gotta, how do you? You got to get the crab. How do you not? How do you not? I was in Baltimore uh, last weekend for my own. My mom's family's also from there, so I had some crab cakes down there. Jimmy's is my place. Jimmy's man. Dundalk, yeah. baby. Uh, we give him the free plug. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. Yeah, have you ever been in the horse you rode in on? No, I have not. I best, have not. Best bar right in the what Inner Harbor in Baltimore. It's up from the Inner Harbor a little bit. Um, it's a specific neighborhood. I can't Federal Hill the, might be Federal Hill. Uh, the horse you rode in on, uh, name of the tavern, was in there 25, 30 years ago. Uh, as good a just cool regular in town drinking bar as you're gonna find the horse I, you rode in on i may have been there and just don't remember but uh <laughs> i will uh i will definitely check that one out that was certainly before farzi was married when his wife started to dictate we go to baltimore but we don't go to the preakness so oh yeah. oh no i don't know i don't think i think you've met my wife jody she's the one that drags me to bars okay yeah. <laughs> that's how that that's how that relationship works farzi good stuff always a pleasure buddy thanks for hopping in today always but have a great weekend guys see ya the host of the Farzy Show, Mark Farzetta, here with us on Birds 365. All right, uh, timeout coming. We are less than 20 minutes away from Eric Edholm, writer for NFL.com, hopping on board with the Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Guys, here on Birds 365. Eric Edholm is going to join us uh, about 15 minutes from now. All right, Johnny. I'm going to take a shot here. And it may be me just asking for uh, an attack. Uh, who was our guy last year? I apologize uh, that I've forgotten, but maybe you should be thankful that I've forgotten exactly which of our streamers it was who took this stance, who got kind of ticked off at both, both of us, more so me than you. Because I was everybody's a more, ticked off, always ticked off. I was a little more outspoken about 
Chukwaski Tart that we continued to question why he was on the team and what he could give them, yeah. if anything. And I remember reading responses on our uh, stream here that he will be the best safety on the Eagles this year yeah. when we were questioning. Well, I tried to right. warn him. I, I forget who the, the, the uh, commenter was, but, you know, it's got, I've been saying that probably too much this week, but, you know, I do get, I, I'm always amazed. I think at times, People want me to lie to them. Fans want me to lie to them. And, you know, I'm at practice every day. So I can see when Chikwaski Tart is not lining up with, forget the first team, the second team. Every single day, he's not lining up with the first or second team. And then he left camp for a little while. That was a little bit of a story. Every single day, Jody. And I'm like, what? what I, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's the reality of the situation. And it turned out magically to be true. Not that I'm a genius. It was self-evident that he was not taking to what the Eagles expected or what the Eagles wanted. And they moved on. It was the least surprising thing of the summer. And you said this a couple times during the offseason, and 99% of the time I agree with you. You can read between the lines with the contract that a free agent is given, that depending on how much money is guaranteed, you can kind of get a pretty good focus on what their chances are to make the team. Now they come out, and if you perform, oh, they'll rethink. They'll give you the shot. But there is a leaning before the season ever started. And if I remember Jaquatsky's um, contract, it kind of told you that he was going to have to win his way onto the team, which he didn't come close yeah. to doing. And, of course, he was cut. Uh, but there was a guy who, on a daily basis, was taking shots at either me or you about how good Jaquatsky Tart's going to be. Well, I, I got a second guest, Twiz the Jigger. Uh, he's one of our uh, frequent commenters on the screen, on the stream, excuse me, who just said he thinks Barnett's in for a big year. <laughs> so you know I'm going to have to comment on that, right, Johnny Mac? Uh, much like Jaquaski Tart, there is a real good chance that Derek Barnett does not play for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Um after June 1st, John continues to tell us that's still a key date in the NFL. Yeah, you can release guys with designations after June 1st, but you only have so many of those and you want to save them. You don't want to necessarily use them. You want to try and get to June 1st. Well, now we're within spitting distance of June 1st. So there's certainly going to be no movement with Derek Barnett this time. But after June 1st, where you can spread the cap in. And oh, by the way, it's a pretty big cap in. For a guy who gave you nothing, absolutely nothing last year, and next to nothing the year before, and you still got a big cap hit on him because you've redone contracts and pushed money into the future, Howie. That's how Howie gets the magic that he gets done with his uh, salary cap numbers. He pushes them off into future years. At some point, they're going to pay a price for Derek Barnett. Mark my words. I think there's a better chance. If I set the over-under number on sacks... At one and a half, John, one and a half sacks. So Derek Barnett would only have to get two sacks for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. You take an under or over. 
under um yeah i don't i don't think uh i don't think he's gonna be here neither do um, i um they drafted nolan smith i mean again i i knew there's some people saying we'll play him at all ball linebacker that's not the plan he's the plan is he's going to be an edge rusher um you have Hassan reddick you have josh sweat you have brandon graham you have Nolan Smith. It was very important for the Eagles to get that fourth edge rusher as evidence by they paid Derek Barnett. He tore his ACL. Then they traded for Robert Quinn. It didn't work. They really want that fourth edge rusher. Patrick Johnson didn't work out um, when he got his opportunity. So they want that player, but that player is Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith. Yep. Overall pick in the draft. Um so, yeah, I mean, the numbers don't look good now. We had this discussion. It's like 10, I don't know. I, I got to pull it up. 10, 10, 10 million uh, dead dead money if you cut them now. But if you cut them. And, and oh, by the way, uh, confirm for the people that what I just said is dead on accurate. A $10 million dead cap hit in the NFL, uh, we took. The biggest cap it ever was in excess of 35 with Carson Wentz. Yeah. So yeah. if you comp it to that, it's not that big a deal. But you were cutting your starting quarterback. You're cutting your fifth edge rusher who's given you how many sacks did Barnett get in uh, 21? Like four? Yeah, something in there. So a guy yeah. who's given you four sacks in the last two years and you're taking a $10 million dead cap hit, that's not good. I'm sorry. There's no way you can uh, spin that one. That's that means that you risked on a specific number of contracts because this is a continuation from even his rookie deal that they just kept extending, pushing back and pushing back and pushing back. That's not good when you're taking a ten million dollar cap hit on a guy who you got very little out of. Uh, no, and that's why you wait uh, to post June first, and the number comes down to just over three million. I pulled it up three point oh five seven million. Uh, and then they they're and paying. What for is it their, if, if they somehow lost their mind and cut them today before June first? Uh, before June first, ten point two seven million. Yeah, I uh, think that's a pretty good reason to subscribe to the theory that he's not going to be around after June first. Yeah, three point oh five seven. No, they don't have to cut him until they cut him. Yeah, they can bring him to camp. It's not a guarantee. You know, injuries happen. Right, and he's not even that big a cap hit this year because, again, they put so much money into Well, no, the, the, the cap part isn't an issue. So what I'm trying to say is they can hold him if they want, and they can wait and say, well, is somebody going to want to trade for him and, and give us something for him? That's what that, I mean. That's true. That if, if Howie were to give up a fourth-round pick for Robert Quinn, maybe they can get something for Derek Barnett. Is yeah, there I one mean, born every minute out there I'll, in the NFL? Uh, yeah, I, I do believe that he will not have a problem getting another opportunity. Now, the issue, and you mentioned, and again, I want to – it's you know, more Jake Rosenberg and Bryce Johnson. They're the contract guys, but um, you're, you're paying essentially one, 1.977 in 2024, 2025, 2026, and 1.284 in 2027. That's sort of your hits for Derek Barnett in upcoming years, but those are all negligible. That's, cost of doing business they can move on now i think 
they'll probably hang on to him and hope somebody gets an injury and say, we need a, a veteran uh, defensive end. Let's take a, a flyer on Derek Barnett. Cause I'm not to the point like Jody, you, you think he can't play at all. I think he's fine as a fourth rotational defensive end. And remember in another city, you don't have those issues of he's a, he's a first round pick. They're like, Oh, we're just picking up a guy who's better than what we have for, you know, a late day three pick. You're not getting a fourth rounder. You might get a six to seven. I could see somebody doing that. I agree with you that he would be under less pressure elsewhere than here. That's a foregone conclusion. That's, that's accurate. Those who held him, to Reggie White's standards well, because he put Reggie White's record sacks in the rearview mirror in Tennessee. Well, that was just foolish. That's just uh, taking yeah, that's, that's, that's their that they that's... put out there when they picked him and using it against him. That's not fair at all. But here's the bottom line. He's a first-round draft pick. If yeah. you're a first-round well, draft here, pick, it comes with that, expectations, that's I mean. and he did not live up to those expectations. And I don't think it's unfair for someone in a Philadelphia standpoint, me, looking at him through that prism. You, you're supposed to play up to the level of a first-round draft pick. Not Reggie White Hall of Fame level, but play like a first-round draft pick. He hasn't come close to it. No, and but that does not matter once he goes to another city. You look at Jalen Rager. I mean, Jalen Rager in this town versus they don't even give a flip in, in Minnesota. It's like, oh, he stinks. Uh, you know, they're probably going to cut him. Uh, they don't care that he's a first-round pick. They just took a flyer on him, and he was bad there like he was bad here, and he's running wrong routes like he's running wrong routes here. Uh, magically, that didn't change. Um but it doesn't matter in that second city. It's, it's you know, you take a flyer, and if it doesn't work, you just move in another direction. Since you mentioned Rager, uh, damn, I hadn't thought about this in forever. Thanks for reminding me, John. When the Eagles traded Jalen Rager to the Vikings, actually, this was quite laughable. It was the first time I had ever heard a deal whereby the team <laughs> getting the draft pick back got a higher pick but if the player didn't live up to it, well, then it could drop to a lower pick. Yeah. Everywhere else they reported as the lower pick, but if he achieves the status, it advances to a higher pick. But the Eagles released it to put it out there as if they were getting the higher pick. And if I remember the numbers correctly, there was about a 0.0002% chance that they were going to get the higher of the two picks. That officially has happened, yeah. isn't it? Didn't that didn't that qualifier for the pick the Eagles were supposed to get? Didn't that already cash in or get determined? Um, remember? No, it did when the Vikings drafted uh, uh, the kid from uh, Southern Cal. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, first Addison. round pick, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan Addison. Um, yeah, essentially uh, that that dream died. Uh, it wasn't going to matter anyway, but yeah, if he played and I forget the number, but if he played like 60% of the snaps or some outrageous number, uh, it could have been, been a fourth round pick. It wasn't happening before they drafted Addison. Uh, now that they drafted Addison, there's no shot. So uh, they basically got a 2023 20, seventh round pick um, in a 2022. 20, or 
uh, it'll be a fifth-round pick, which is still pretty good for Jalen Rager, to be honest. Agreed. Uh, but did they have to give a pick back in the deal, too? I think it was Rager and a pick for two picks, one of which was to be determined. If I remember correctly, I may be wrong about that. Yeah, I think it, it was just it was just uh, Rager, Rager, for, Rager, Rager for two picks. 2023 seventh and the conditional. But you're right. That was the first time I also saw that. Ever seen uh, he it was traded for fourth round pick. But if he doesn't achieve yeah. this, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. It falls to a fifth round pick every other time I've seen it. I'll it's tell you, man. It can conditionally move up it, to a it, it, And you and I talk about this all the time. And and we just talked about it with Barnett. When you got that tag on you, when you got that first round tag on you, it affects everybody. Forget about fans. Forget about media. It affects the teams. Like the Eagles are spinning that like a put. If it were a you know third round pick who played pretty well and you traded him, even a fourth round pick, they would have said a ah, conditional fifth. Um, moving up to fourth. They're trying to spin it because he was a failed first-round pick. Correct. Man, it is that tag, like Terrell Edmonds here, the guy the Eagles signed. He got overdrafted. He got overdrafted. Solid player, um, but he got overdrafted as a first-round pick. You know, people were projecting him as a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. And all of a sudden, he's a first-round pick forever. And 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 Pittsburgh fans got a pretty good player. Started like 70 games. Yeah. But he didn't look like a first-round pick. And, you know, now he comes here. Nobody cares. Nobody and, cares. But and there. In, in addition to the general manager is judged off his first-round picks and the coaching staff knows that the general manager and he's there being – uh, guided to play a guy, use a guy because he's a first round pick. The other reason why it's legit is it's a capped league, John, and first round picks get paid more than third round picks. And yeah. when they falter and don't get the job done, that's a tougher pill to well, swallow I, look, for everybody. I, I'm not, I understand why it happens. And we got our buddy Eric at home. We got to get the break, but I understand why it happens. But if I'm an organization, Look, and I made a mistake. I think the best way to handle a mistake is to admit a mistake and move on as quickly as possible. But that's easier said than done because, as I constantly mention, Howie Roseman has got a lot more rope to play with than the average GM. So an average GM can't just say, hey, I made a mistake with this first-round pick. They're going to lose their jobs. Understood. And, oh, by the way, if Howie got two picks, even though they're day three picks – One's a seventh rounder, which is close to toss away. That's not bad because we all saw the fact that, Howie, you made a mistake. Good time to cut your losses. He actually did okay in what he got back from the Vikings for. How how how, how impressive was Rager last year for Minnesota? What were his stats? Yeah, not very good oh. at all. Uh, he is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You got the Mac and Mac Bird Street 65. We're going national next from NFL.com. Eric Edholm going to jump in with us here on Bird Street 65. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. 
Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... It's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was, it, was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, um, Again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in with us here on Birds 365. We also appreciate Eric Edel popping in with us uh, to shoot the breeze about football this football Friday. Uh, e, good to see you. Appreciate your uh, jumping in. Here's where I want to start with you. Sure. We we get a lot of this here in Philadelphia. The Eagles got screwed. The NFL has got an <laughs> issue with the Eagles. Eagles have to Always. open the disgrace that the Eagles have to open up on the road after going to the Super Bowl. The NFL is maybe because it's New York and they want to protect those stinking giants. Every <laughs> single year we hear complaints about disrespect. And I'm sure they're getting it in other towns. We just deal with the Philadelphia aspect of it. Who, according to you, actually has a leg to stand on? Who got screwed by the NFL schedule? What team absolutely took it where the sun doesn't shine by the schedule makers up there in New York? You're going to be surprised when I say this, but it's actually the team the Eagles play in week one, I believe, right? New England. I mean, I thought the Patriots schedule, first of all, 
we've known the opponents for months. So we've yeah. obviously had time to dissect who they're playing and right. It's just a matter of the order and when the bye week comes. Logistics, when I call it. We celebrate logistics. logistics. Beautiful yeah. way to sum it up. Everyone yeah. knows what you mean, right? <laughs> uh, when I saw their schedule, I thought, okay, a little bit of a, a favorable opening course. Tom Brady will be there. It'll be a big show and all that stuff. Tickets are hard to come by and all that already. But I mean, I just look at their schedule and it's one, it's murder's row, one haymaker after another. And I'm, I was, I knew who they were going to play. I knew it was a tough schedule. It was even harder than I imagined when I saw it. So I don't know if the Eagles got, got screwed. I do know that you'd like to think that a team that came within an eyelash of winning a Super Bowl could get a home opener, but I suspect by week two, all that will be water under the bridge. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you could argue week two, the home opener Thursday night, you're forcing a team to go on the road four days later. You're at home. And we all know how difficult. It, to me, that's the easiest part of the schedule, week two for the Eagles. That's a gimme. Uh, Minnesota has come in here and collapsed in the past. They're not going to be able to deal with that situation. Um, so from that standpoint, I say that's really, really good. I noticed as you're breaking down the 10 toughest schedules, you didn't even have the Eagles in the top 10. And I applaud you for that because you went a little bit deeper. I can't stand these strength of schedule things, <laughs> Eric. Um, They're not perfect. Yes. No, but uh, you know, if you look at the context and I think the Eagles got a little break from this perspective, I think the early part of their schedule is the soft part. They have a lot of change, a lot of attrition, not only, uh, with free agency, but on the coaching staff. Sure. And they get a chance to work out the kinks when the tough stuff comes later. I think that's a positive. I do too. I mean, if you think about it as, you know, first of all, Vikings, the team they beat pretty handily last year, early, I think in, maybe in the same slot, right? It was early home, in the, home was opener. It? Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Destroyed yeah. Them. yeah. <laughs> so not only that, uh, Patriots, I mean, even in the emotional environment, they still have a lot to prove. Yeah. You've got Mac Jones with a new coordinator. Game three, we don't know who the Bucks starter is going to be. Let's say it's Baker Mayfield. I believe they have commanders in week four. Uh, you know, again, what, what's the situation there? I, I couldn't tell you. Sam Howell. Rams. Yeah. yeah Rams. Just, it's, I, I, I like, think, you, you know, if they're not, you know, New England will be tough at New England, sure. as you mentioned, yeah. on the road. Same thing happened last year. They were at Detroit, right? and that's a really tough environment to go on the road for any home opener. Yep. But if you can kind of out-talent New England, which they might, they all would, of a sudden yeah. you can start talking about 5-0 and oh until you get to Aaron Rodgers in the, in the Jets, which might be a tough game. That's the prime. That's the first sort of milepost, I think you say, of the season. Not to say they <laughs> couldn't. Obviously, they could lose the opener. You know, yeah. could they lose to the Vikings? Of course they could, right? It was a 13 win team last year, right? I'm sure there's one other. I think the commander's defense is pretty good. They beat them last year. So let's just say four or one or five and zero oh at that first, you know, kind of mile marker there, which is that Jets game in New York. That's that's going to be, I think, uh, a real test. If it's anything worse than that, then we can ha throw up some red flags and get a little bit worried. Hey, what's going on? Is there an injury? Are there other factors? The coordinator's not settling in, um, you know. But I, I would imagine that it would be, you know, a pretty good sign. I think to be what, what do we say? Five games? Yeah, four and one or five and zero oh at that before that Jets game. 
And oh, by the way, I think an underrated part of the Eagles schedule is after that very difficult borderline gauntlet run they have to go through in the middle of the season, finish out at home Giants, beat them three times last year. That's right. At home Arizona, the Jonathan Gannon Foo Fest returned to Philadelphia and then at the Giants, who you own, you all have beaten them four times in two years. By the time we get to the last game of the season, if you're in a dogfight with San Francisco for the best overall record in the NFC, that's an easier finish than the 49ers have left. So, yeah, the yeah. whole Eagles have been uh, disrespected by the schedule thing. Doesn't hold water. Agree on that front. All right, another Eagle slash <laughs> Philadelphia thing that John and I talk about from time to time. The fan base likes to get their hands, or at least wishes they get their hands on every star disgruntled player out there. If the guy is not happy, why don't we get him? We can get him. We can put him. And I give them credit. They didn't do it this week with Devontae Adams. He kind of came out and hinted that, yeah, I don't know about our offense. And his boy walked out of town to go be the quarterback of the Saints. Doesn't sound like Devontae is thrilled to be a Raider after 12 months after he was uh, so sold on going home to, to uh, Las Vegas to play. The Eagles haven't gone there. Eagles fans, oh, we could use him. He'd be a great three behind Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown <laughs> with Devontae Adams here in Philadelphia. What is going to happen out in Vegas? If he's not coming to Philly, which I don't think he is, Yeah, they're just going to play it through this year and then figure it out thereafter? This is the problem with having a good general manager, right? You assume they can they can work their magic. Yeah. Every single time. Every. How is the I best? I would say, Eric, Eric, I say every name that comes out there, no matter who does it, you guys at NFL.com, everywhere, ESPN, dot, 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 and the Eagles. Everybody says that's how they write it, and they say who's going to be interested, dot, 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 and the Eagles. This is funny because I'm a Mizzou (laughs) sports fan, and I'm watching feverishly over to see who the final basketball recruit is, and we've gone through the same thing with the Arkansas. Arkansas has been connected to every single transfer this entire offseason, every recruit, every high school recruit. So believe me, I I understand the the correlation there. But, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, I obviously, you know, the the Raiders paid a hefty price to get him two first-round picks. They brought him in as what you thought was this this pairing with his his college teammate and a, a good quarterback connection there with with Derek Carr. Now Carr is gone. Obviously, you know you you've heard a change in the way everything's being described. And you know the beautiful thing about Devonte is that he's almost quarterback proof. You can stick him in any type of offense. So he's got obviously mass appeal. Like there aren't there are thirty one other teams that would love to have him. All things being equal, and and you know salaries and whatnot <laughs> in the world, but. Um, I don't think the Raiders are going to move him. I mean, I will, I could be wrong, right? I don't see Jacoby yeah. Myers as a number one. I obviously, you know, you got to figure out what their, their future plans are beyond Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a lot to sort out. They need as many sure things as they can get. Um, I, this wouldn't be the first time I think that a, that a player spoke uh, ill words about Josh McDaniels. I'm pretty sure he's used to it at this point. So we'll see. It's also one of those slow news cycles where we glom onto these sorts of things and say, this is a bigger deal than it is. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. What if they start out with a hot start? Who knows? Yeah. Um, I want to stick out West a little bit, San Francisco, because that's become a, a bit of a rivalry. Obviously the NFC championship game, yeah, 
did not go the way the 49ers would have liked. I mean, you can't, it's amazing. They were there with the third string quarterback. Then they're down to the fourth string quarterback. It would have been nice to see if, if Brock Purdy was healthy, how that game would have went. Right. But I want to, San Francisco as a whole, Eric, they're obviously a very good team, very good team. They're just collecting quarterbacks. What is the plan out there? The plan just to wait for Brock Purdy to get healthy. Are they, to me, it's a perfect opportunity to give Trey Lance one more chance. Because, right, you have this, you can default to, well, Brock's not healthy. So you don't have to worry about creating any kind of controversy and just say, all right, you know, Kyle wins with everybody. Why can't he win with Trey Lance? John Lynch, you don't have egg on your face for making that pick. Why Why isn't that? To me, it seems pretty straightforward. That's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, it certainly would make <laughs> sense, right? Especially having sunk so much cost into getting Trey Lance, three first-round picks in essence, and, um, and yeah, such a young player. I mean, this is a, you know, we talk about the other quarterback on the roster, Sam Darnold. I think he's, only, he's still only 25 years old, which boggles yeah. my mind. We've been <laughs> talking about the guy for about 19 years, yeah. I feel like. But, um, you know, it's sort of a reminder that, like, you just can't give up on young quarterbacks. Obviously, we saw Geno Smith break out at age 31, 32 last year. So, you know, but bigger point is that they have a lot of sunk cost into him. You have possibly an opportunity for him to be the season starter for a second year in a row and if he's playing well, who's to say that they can't ride that thing as long as it goes till it yeah. goes off the, the, the rails, so to speak. Cause if you're ever going to going to recoup anything close to, to close trade value, he's got to play, you know, marinating and sitting on the side does not make him a more valuable collectible. So, and yet there's this sort of lingering twisting in the wind talk about you know lewis riddick obviously respected guy around the league he's got some connections out there uh, mike martz certainly is, is said the same thing that sam darnold might be the guy where are they getting this from is this just like two guys happening on the same point coincidentally maybe i don't know how much those guys know each other but could it be that the 49ers are maybe leaking this out i don't know why they would but it just it's fascinating to me that I mean, first of all, Darnold signed quickly, and I was surprised. 55-game starter played pretty well at the end of last year. Pick San Francisco was like, oh, okay. Guess they're yeah. going to have three guys and figure it out as they go. But I really don't know. This will be a low-key, fascinating situation to watch unfold. As the guy who talked up Sam Darnold when he landed with my Jets, yeah, John and I were talking earlier about at some point you got to move on. You yeah. just got to throw up uh, the white flag and go, I surrender and yeah. uh, get on with the rest of your life. If I got to double back and admit that Sam Darnold could actually play a little bit, not only am I going to be embarrassed, I'm going to be pissed. I, so it better not be you. Sam Darnold. <laughs> Gino was bad enough, right? You get yeah. to watch Gino yeah. do well. Already happened enough. with Gino. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you have a double much. barrel shotgun yeah. here, yeah, right? Appreciate yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Alex Smith came out this week and took a stance that uh, young quarterbacks in the league can't develop over defensive coaches, uh, coaches that come from the defensive side of the ball to become head coaches. I love that stance, by the way. Can I jump in? I love Let's it. Let's hear it. Let me yeah. hear your theories. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Jody. Sorry. Well, I, then I'll disagree with John and Alex Smith. Uh, <laughs> first of all, there are only a couple of defensive head coaches in the entire National Football League, right? It's at least two-thirds, one-third 
offensive coaches over defenses. I think the split is probably more than that. I didn't line them all up and do the math, but what do you got, about six or seven defensive coaches and 24, 25 offensive coaches? So we're looking at a small sample size to begin with. And then, oh, by the way, in that sample size is John Harbaugh, defensive coach. Lamar was able to win an MVP with him as his head coach, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Pete Carroll came from the defensive side of the ball. Russell Wilson had a pretty damn good career up until he went to Denver. So somehow Pete uh, Pete Carroll couldn't put the uh, kibosh on Russell Wilson. Um, And there was one other guy. Oh, uh, uh, McDermott up in Buffalo. Somehow Josh Allen, who people said after his first year, oh, God, this guy's never going to be a quarterback. He can't throw the ball. He's completely inaccurate, has become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So other than those three, out of the seven or eight that there are overall, yeah, that goes to prove the point that Alex Smith and John McMullen are trying to make. Well, uh, all right, let me defend mine, then you jump in, Eric. Yeah. All those guys are CEO coaches, number one. So you got to get the hell out of the way. The I don't remember guy. either Alex Smith or you qualifying defensive well, I'm coaches. I'm saying I, Alex, I can't speak for Alex. Alex, hopefully we'll get him on the show. He can talk for himself. I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking for myself. Um, they're CEO coaches. So number one, you got to get out of the way. Mike Zimmer, who I had a ton of respect for um, and had a great low run, um, but then it just got overbearing, right? And he had a good quarterback and a better quarterback, and he didn't like him, and it was just a disaster. Um, if you step out of the way, was, there's a lot Zimmer of ways. not a CEO coach? No, no, no. He called the plays on offense? Uh, no, defense. He's a defensive guy. That doesn't mean you – but he meddled in the offense. He told the, the 97 coordinators, whether it was Pat Shermer or – or Clint Kubiak, or they had a different coordinator every year. Part of the reason why is because they couldn't get along with Mike Zimmer and they wanted to get the hell out of there. Um, he was always meddling in it. But get to, to the larger point, and it's mainly with me, Eric, with younger quarterbacks. And I look at Justin Fields in Chicago. Like, to me, tremendous talent. That's a terrible situation for me. And even mm. though it's not it's not fair, and I feel bad for defensive guys. I, I do. But in the modern NFL, if somebody's given me $6 billion, and please, if you want to give me $6 billion, sure. please right. do. And I had a team. I'm hiring an offensive guy every single time in this modern NFL. That's kind of where I am. I, I I see both sides of it, right? I mean, I and I and I realize that you know it, it's hard to judge these things in a vacuum, right? Is it is how much say does the offensive coordinator have? Is, is the defensive minded coach completely hands off, or are they part of you know the game design? Obviously, they're 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 intrinsically involved, right? I mean, they're going to be the ones who are making the aggressive calls or the passive calls on offense and whether to go for it, things like that. So. You know, I mean, we're talking about developing quarterbacks, though. I think a lot of that is done by the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator. I, I get the thinking there, absolutely. But, you know, what what if, you know, we start seeing a rash of defensive coaches have success in the league? And, and it's, you know, it's not shocking to think that when the league swings one way, it's going to pendulum back the other way. And yeah, I assume that in always, 10 years, yeah. it's going to happen the same way. So, you know, obviously Brandon Staley, I, you know, his own errors have been his own. But Justin Herbert hasn't been held back, I wouldn't say, by Brandon Staley. You brought up McDermott as well. And, 
I thought McDermott's biggest issue was was time clock stuff and, and game management issues yeah, early well, early in his career. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you can so go back. He, to in, the he inherited that from Andy yeah. Reid. Yeah. I'm sure. Time clock issues yeah. too, when he I know. It's, we don't even talk about that anymore. Andy's sort of yeah. figured it out, I think. But yeah. anyway, I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm a, yeah, he did. I'm a little yeah. ambivalent on the whole idea. I, I think I would try to get the the best coach who can handle, who, who can wear a lot of hats and also manage a large group of people and also gets the big picture. Well, Jody brings up an interesting point. I, I'm i a big CEO coach guy, so I'd rather have a CEO yeah. defensive-minded coach yeah. than a – than a, than a guy getting mucked up in play calling. Yep. Uh, like Kyle Shanahan. I have tremendous – I don't think any there's a better play call, caller in football, Eric, than Kyle Shanahan. I don't think there is. But, man, he get, you talked about game management, time management. He gets mucked down. He, he makes some serious mistakes when sure it comes does. to managing yeah. the game. And that's because he's so hyper-focused, I think, on the play calling, which is brilliant – but there's a give and take there. Yeah. It ruined Matt Nagy in Chicago, I thought. You know, it was like this obsession almost with this his his Denny's menu, right? Like that was yeah. the that was the the center of his universe. And again, I'm not trying to pick on Matt. I just know it from experience and talking to guys here in Chicago. And you know, he had a room in his basement, and God bless him. Like I, this is a cool thing. I'm sure his kids loved it, but he had his play calling sheets yeah, as yeah. wallpaper in his room. Yeah. And it almost to me sort of symbolized that he was so folk, he was hired for his play calling prowess. When that didn't work and he had to give that up, he had no idea how to be a, a head coach. I don't mean like he was a terrible coach. I just mean he didn't know how to be the captain, you know, and that was that was what his downfall. I think he's a good football coach. I just think he learned some tough lessons in Chicago, and he's just an example of a lot of guys. You know, I, I'll be you know, fascinated to see how Jonathan Gannon does in Arizona. Cause so far I don't get the feeling this is a, a it's been, it has not been good. It has not <laughs> been good. If you don't have the willies already. And again, I know the Cardinals fans are probably thinking, well, we're going to get, you know, Caleb Williams next year or whatever. But <clears throat> if you're not concerned already about this guy, having seen what happened in Philly, as far as some of his interactions, and then also what's gone down in the, <laughs> before we've ever had a, a training camp practice. I don't know. I'm I'm, dealing with the media dealing with it's It's all part of the job. Yes. I'm I'm sure Eric, you know, I've been covering this league for a long time. And the one thing every coach says, they're all different people, right? They're they're, uh, come from different. We're just talking about offense, defense, but the one thing they all say is, boy, I didn't know how much other stuff I had to deal with as a head coach. (sighs) And and you're away from football. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. And that's where JG, who people know I like personally, um, he's been bad at. He's been bad at the other stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good coach, but of course he wouldn't get to this level if he wasn't, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's it's the it's the delegation, it's the handling of you know the buck stops with me attitude and and you know, knowing when to place the blame elsewhere, knowing when to to, to shoulder the blame. I mean, it's all these things that that it's a delicate, complex puzzle that you have to put together. It's like building a ship in a bottle. You don't figure it out till you've crashed about 15 times. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. My, my point is, 
Yeah, I'll take Matt Eberflus over Adam Gaze every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Just because you come from one side of the ball doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Oh, well, yeah. yeah good point. Because I, I, I don't know if I can name. Gee, that's an interesting question. The two most overmatched first-time head coaches, Eric, mm. Adam Gase, Josh McDaniels. I oh, think. For, well, no, forget about it. Gaze wasn't a first time. He was a second time when he went up and butchered my New York Jets. Well, he had already been the True. Dolphin coach, and they yeah, hired his ads, and he sucked in New York. I didn't mean the, the Jets part. The Jets are even worse because they hired him after he proved <laughs> yes, yes. Shame on you, right? Yes, yeah, right. exactly right. That's why I'll take Robert Sala, even if it's a defensive guy. I guarantee he's better than Adam Gaze. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. going to argue that. I can't. I don't have. I don't have a crutch to stand on yeah, there. Not on, not on that one. All right, Eric, let me ask you a question. This might be a tough one for you to answer. Uh, we had the whole schedule reveal, and I thought it was hysterical. Uh, not you guys probably didn't, but they, they usually promo it like three weeks out. All day, NFL Network, blah, 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 blah. Pick by pick analysis of everything. They didn't get it done till like Sunday before the Thursday draft. They were still working on it within days of the draft, but they got it on and you had your whole day there. And as usual, the NFL Network did a really nice job. A lot of European games this year. Yeah. And I understand the whole philosophy behind it. The NFL is the big dog in this country. Nobody argues that. It's not even close. Not even a competition. But internationally, the NBA actually outdoes the NFL. They sell better in China and Europe other places. The NFL trying to play a little bit of catch up. Are they overdoing it a little bit? Are they saying, yeah, everybody here in America just going to put the game on at 930 Eastern, which means it's 630 for the West Coast guy. Good luck getting up at 630 to watch your fantasy guy play in the first game of the day. Are they uh, is the pile of money that they have here in America not enough? Or is Roger Goodell just doing what he's got to do to broaden his game no matter what? Are they not thinking about our Hawaiian NFL friends? My goodness, what time are they getting up for those European games? No, right? they're staying up. They're not going to bed. That's right? true, right? They're watching That's that it. game before they ever hit the sack. Smart man. That's exactly it. I mean, I will say this. I think you either continue to grow or you start to die. I mean, I, I know it's it always is going to look like greed from the outside. Oh, they just they favor money over everything else. And I promise you, I'm, I've had this stance before I was ever an NFL employee, right? I mean, I... My thinking is, are you going to let soccer infiltrate the United States before you infiltrate Europe or possibly Asia one day? I can remember Paul Tagliabue sitting at a a Super Bowl press conference and him talking about wanting to discover the next Yao Fling, the Chinese quarterback, right? He made the name up on the spot or one of his handlers did. (laughs) Why did I never hear that before? Yao Fling? (laughs) I love that. I'll never forget Yes, Boy, that was one of my first. You get in trouble for that today. Boy, can you imagine? That. Can you imagine Boy, saying that? Yeah. You'd be butchered. But yeah, uh, that's a real Cancel. quote, by the way. Yeah, yeah. that looked that one up. But yeah, I remember him talking about wanting to to go into Asia. You know, almost twenty years ago now, and that may be a little more complex now, politically speaking. But from you know, expanding is the natural growth, especially Germany. Germany felt like kind of the the hidden motherload. That was the country. First of all, it's Germany and Austria have produced some some players in recent years, which is nice. You always want to have that connection. 
beyond that, there just seem to be a lot of American football fans over there. So they love their soccer. They're fascinated by American football. Why not get a foothold there? And we've got London with the standing games there every single year. Maybe the next one's Paris. I don't know, right? I mean, obviously, they're, you know, I, it, this isn't going to be like, uh, you know, the conquest of, of, uh, uh, of Europe here or anything like that. But I think there's a good chance that they keep expanding there. There's talk of a division in, in the UK, uh, which would be led by my buddy Tony Khan in Jacksonville. Sure. Uh, they're having issues with that stadium down there. Yep. Um, but I'll end it here at Eric underscore at home. Make sure you follow Eric on Twitter. Does a tremendous job. Read him at NFL.com. Um, back to your neck of the woods, Chicago, for this reason. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Ryan Poles was on uh, a station out there, I think it was this week, talking about Jalen Carter. And he basically kind of admitted, you know what? We're not in a position to take a, a, a player like that. Whereas we here in Philadelphia, two-time executive of the year, Howie Roseman, Howie can do no wrong right now, Eric. Everything yeah. he does is perfect. I, I maintain how he's very good at his job, but I maintain that rope that he has gives him such an advantage Amen. over yep. other GMs in this league who can't simply do. And I, I thought Ryan was very honest. He basically admitted, I can't take that kid. Um, how big of a, how big of an advantage do you think that is? Quick, quick. First of all, I think you're 100 spot on. This is the point I've been making since the the night of the of the first round. I thought I, I had mocked the Bears to take Carter because I knew they knew he was a special player. I didn't know what they knew about him character wise. I, I didn't know how they felt about him. I should say, and I should have realized exactly what Poles has said, which is, in essence, this is my reading of what he said, which is super talented kid. Don't know if if this is the right place for him that, that we can support that kind of thing. Philadelphia, however, is almost the perfect, you know, terrarium for, for this, this, this fascinating player to grow because not only do you have the, the, the Georgia connection, obviously all his former teammates who are there now, but also the winning pedigree in recent years an upward progression that, you know, you could argue they might maybe are a better team this year than last year. Maybe you never know. Um, but also the fact that, they had the extra first round pick to do so. You have Fletcher Cox there in a, a mentor year, possibly the final year, a bridge year, whatever you want to call it, you know, surrounded by talent, the expectations football wise can be managed. You can keep a close eye on them in terms of, Hey, who, how was he interacting with teammates? Is there any concern off the field? Is there anything else we have to know about? It's the perfect team for him to go to. I mean, obviously you say you take a great team and a great player and say, they're made for each other. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying this unique situation with this player and this unusual situation with this team are perfectly married because of the success one has had and the questions and, and the risks that the other one carries. And if he fails, the team's still going to be fine. It's still going to yeah. be really good. They're not going to yeah. fail because of Jalen Carter. I, I couldn't agree more. All right. Last one for me, E. Our guy, our team, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, got the quarterback dominoes falling. They got their deal done first. Not yep. shortly thereafter, Lamar Jackson, finally. No movement whatsoever. Bad mouthing back and forth. 
No agent. How difficult yeah. it is. Oh, all of a sudden, when Jalen Hurts got done, they got the Lamar Jackson deal done. Now we've had a little bit of a time lag, and we mm-hmm. expected dominoes to fall. At least there's some chatter about Burrow and the Bengals talking and working toward a deal. Does it or doesn't it get st- uh, done before the first Bengal game of the season? A hundred percent it gets done. I think I think the the Bengals are extremely lucky to have Joe Burrow. Uh, number one, also have you know having the the poor season they did uh, in the year that he broke out. I mean, you never could have expected these two things to align the way they did. It was it was a Haley's comet of of events, right? But um, he happened to be from Ohio. He loves the city. He's already talking about wanting to keep the group together like guys from you know even ohio state said like joe is like all about the team right i mean i think they're they're fortunate in that he knows i'm gonna be rich one way or the other i'm not gonna be greedy about this contract yes i'm gonna have some pretty big numbers that i ask for but big relative to other quarterbacks maybe not so i think it it absolutely gets done i mean the biggest issue for Cincinnati would be the length and the total money because you've got to have that money in escrow. Yeah, right? And this is not the, exactly yeah. known as a yeah. cash-rich franchise, nor yeah. are the, the L.A. Chargers who have Herbert. So that's really kind of the, the hidden drama there. I think most of the negotiations won't be that hard, believe it or not. It's going to no. be over the total length. and how they got to get all their ducks in a row. Some organizations yeah. can just say, hey. Write the check and you want to lock them up. Yeah. yeah. You know, you'd love to do a Mahomes deal, but yeah. you can't. They don't yeah. have that money. I don't yeah. think. I can guarantee you, Eric at home, the first guy in this, by the way, is show number 531. John and I have done 531 wow. episodes of Birds 365. Eric at home, the first one to ever use the word terrarium. Nice. <laughs> nice. Never yeah, been it. used before on Birds 365. That's why he's special. I had, a, I had a joke in college. The only word I didn't use in my final exams was uh, motorcade. So that's the same. It works exactly well here, right? Yeah. Yep. They'll have a motorcade going down the main <laughs> drag in Cincinnati when they get Joe Burrow's sign. Yeah, say we it. got it in for today's show. Eric, always fun. Appreciate you uh, jumping out with us. We'll get you Thanks, back up again. Have a great weekend, week. you guys. Thank you. Eric Edholm from uh, NFL.com, formerly of Yahoo.com. Uh, he jumped to the mothership. This offseason does a great job covering the league. All right, Mac and Mac coming back. We got to put a bow on the show. Stay right here on Birds. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. show number 532 i was incorrect 531 you got to be back here on monday to see number 532 of the mac and mac guys on bird street 65 johnny mac will there be anything on monday when we reconvene that is news breaking for the philadelphia eagles this week uh what's today's date now we got a ways to go before june 1st so i don't know they got a couple roster spots you never know with this team but uh um, I don't think anything groundbreaking yeah, is nor going do to I. happen. Yeah, the, the last 10 days of May is kind of like the calm before the storm. And before you know it, yes, we'll have uh, uh, camp opening up and we'll get ready for another season. Very much looking forward to that. I uh, got to thank both Mark Farzetta and Eric Edom for jumping on board with us. Monday, Russell Baxter. Uh, facts football guru is going to jump in with us. I've not Russell on in a uh, I like uh, Russell was getting feisty last I saw on Twitter, he was going back and forth. I'm I'm with Russell. He was there are a lot of people he was talking about Joe Namus, so uh, a subject close to your heart, um, you know, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But you know, a lot of modern fans just don't get it because they look at his numbers, and that's what Russell was going back and and they say, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. His, his numbers are terrible. And I'm like, man, you just don't get it. It's a different game. Completely, completely different game. He's a Hall of Famer because he was great amongst his peers. First first ever, I believe, 4,000-yard thrower. I think he was a two-time MVP. Joe Namath is a Hall of Famer. And if you just look at a book – and yeah, look at numbers. A website. Nobody looks at a book anymore. Yeah, well, they go to yeah. a website. Good, good point. So look it up. Um, yeah, and the thing that nobody ever gives any traction to is he changed the game. He was at a time coming out of college when you had to make a choice between the NFL and the AFL, 
and he legitimized the whole damn league, which forced the merger. Yeah, no, it, it, for, for our millennial fans out there, they have no idea what yeah. Joe Namath No, No brainer Hall of Famer, by the way. Yeah. No, no even, that's not even like a debate. The website, uh, but, the, the, the statistical website may say no. Actuality says, yeah, he's yeah. a Hall of Famer. All right, uh, so that's just one of the things we'll talk about with Russell Baxter. We're going to do that on Monday. I'm going to be here. Sounds like you're planning on being here, Johnny Mac. Let's do it. He'll be back on Monday. We'll be back on Monday. We'll catch you then on Birds 365 in two and two days, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.